Welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast, the podcast focused on helping civil engineering professionals succeed by exposing them to interesting civil engineering projects and successful civil engineering professionals around the world. Hosts Anthony Fasano and Christian Knutson had successful but unconventional civil engineering careers and now focus on helping civil engineering professionals achieve their goals in work and life. Welcome to episode 20 of the Civil Engineering Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Knutson, and this is the podcast specifically for civil engineers who want to succeed and rocket in their civil engineering careers. I hope this finds you doing well wherever you are in the world and whatever project you happen to be engaged in right now. I'm uh, going solo on this episode. Anthony is back in the States doing what he does over there, sharing great information with you. And I'm over on this side of the pond over in Germany, enjoying the cold temperatures and, uh, and still enjoying sharing great information with you. And in today's episode, I'm going to be sharing some great information with you because I got the opportunity to speak with John Weinstein, who's the president of Line of Sight Consulting, about change management, what it is, why it's important to understand it in the context of a civil engineer who's involved in projects as well as management and leadership of people. And we also talk about books. John's the author of a couple different project management books himself, but he also tells us about one of his favorite professional development books. I won't spoil it, and I'll let you listen to it in the show. And on the topic of books, I love learning from them, and we read a ton of them over at the Engineering Career Coach, so much so that we have a compilation page that we put together. It's sorted by topic area for you, and it's over on our website, and you can navigate yourself over there at engineeringcareercoach.com forward slash reading dash list. And if you're an ECCer, that's an Engineering Career Community member, you'll have access to not only that page, but you're also going to have access to book notes for all of these titles. And if not, you're still going to get a great listing of high-impact books touching everything from leadership to happiness, maybe even the happy leader. So there's a ton of information out there. Go over and check it out. It's at engineeringcareercoach.com forward slash reading dash list. And before we dive into the main segment, I also want to let you know that tickets for the 2016 Engineering Career Summit in New Orleans, which is going to be held the 12th through the 14th of May, are going to go on sale 1 January. That's just a couple of weeks away. So you can head over to engineeringevent.com for more details. And if you're interested in supporting the event as a sponsor, help us deliver a world-class event for engineers by engineers, then send me an email at chris at engineeringcareercoach.com, or you can reach out to anthony at anthony at engineeringcareercoach.com. We'd love to hear from you. And I have one final request. If you like what you're hearing in this show, please share it with a colleague, a team member, somebody in your office. We really thank you for taking the time and listening to the show. We really enjoy the comments that we have been getting. We want more. And we'd also like you to share it with the other engineers that you know, civil engineers that are out there that perhaps might find the information that we're sharing and that we're putting into these shows worthwhile. We'd love to get the word out there, and we would like you to help us expand our reach as much as possible. And so with that, it's time to jump into our Civil Engineering Conversation of the Week with John Weinstein. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. Now it's time for this week's Civil Engineering Conversation, where we talk with a civil engineering or a project professional and attempt to deconstruct the concepts and skills they've mastered in order to share this information with you so that you can become world-class in your career. And today's guest is John Weinstein. 
John is a project management professional and president of Line of Sight, a firm delivering organizational change, strategic planning, project management, and business process improvement services. He has over 20 years of experience in these areas, working with clients of varying sizes, from startups to Fortune 500 firms, and in a wide variety of sectors, including government, IT, insurance, healthcare, and transportation. John's also authored articles and two books, Achieving Project Management Success in the Federal Government and the forthcoming The Government Manager's Guide to Project Management. And we're going to have links to both of those in the show notes, so you can go check those out. And John has spoken on management and leadership topics across the U.S., Europe, and Africa. And he was also elected in 2014 to the Howard County, Maryland County Council and currently serves as the vice chairman. He represents District 1, which includes Ellicott City, Elkridge, Hanover, and Columbia. So if you're living in Howard County, this is the guy who's helping to call the shots there for you all. John, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Chris. I'm glad to, glad to be on the show with you. Yeah, well, thanks very much. So today's topic uh, that we're going to be unpacking for everyone is about change management. So I want to start off first with, I'll say almost like the change management 101 question, which is something that maybe a lot of civil engineers don't really think about, but I think all of us are in one way, shape, or form affected by it, whether we even know it or not. So in the vernacular for a civil engineer, or even just any engineer, what's change management and why is it something that we might want to know a little bit about? I guess the, the textbook version of, or answer to that question is, is something that uh, I can provide from the newly formed Association of Change Management Professionals. So these are the guys that are out there creating standards for the profession, this emerging profession of change management. So it's uh, quite simply a deliberate set of activities that facilitate and support the success of individual and organizational change and the realization of in intended business results. And the emphasis being on that last part, uh, realization of business results. So change management is about the, those things that managers do to help individuals and their overall organization get to the end result that's desired by the projects that we perform. And, and just about everybody's doing projects these days or projectizing everything. That's sort of uh, the, the definition. Why is it important? I would simply say, particularly civil engineers who are engaged in projects on a regular basis, they may look at projects in terms of a product that they're delivering in the, uh, the scheme of their work. But sometimes uh, it's the, the impact of that project and those things that are being delivered, the products that are being delivered, that's not given as much attention. And this sort of change management, in my opinion, really completes the project. It helps realize those benefits in a way that just simply executing a project will not do. That's uh, really important to kind of point out. I mean, for all engineers, we look at, at the delivery of whatever design we're doing from planning all the way through the conceptual designs out to implementation of the project. We're really delivering a product in the end. And, it, you know, whatever that funding was that came for it, there was a decision made at some point that that was going to be to deliver some type of business value. Right. And oftentimes, and I know this was something, at least in my own career, you know, the terminology of change management wasn't uh, something that I really picked up until much later in my career. And a lot of it had to do with regards to the study that I started doing for project management professional certification and doing a lot of reading about project management, which is why I wanted to, quite frankly, bring you on the show here so we could talk about this topic, because I think it's really something that is that is important for civil engineers to understand, regardless of what level they are in their career. Absolutely. So with regards to change management results, who's ultimately responsible for bringing those about? 
Well, uh, my philosophy is, and, and perhaps you might share this, Chris, as a former military person uh, myself as well, is that uh, really it, it all re resides at the top. You know, leadership is responsible for an organization, whether it's performance, how it works itself through a, a project, and how it treats the people and, and the organization at the end of the day in terms of attending to impact of change, impact of projects. That being said, and I imagine we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about this later in our discussion about the details behind that, but there are varying levels uh, of responsibility that are shared. And in change management, unlike projects, really change the responsibility for changing falls to the, the individual. So at the end of the day, when a project's delivered and there are new processes or new tools or you know, a new building for that matter. There are things that those people have to live with, the things that they have to share with their peers, things they have to be responsible to their supervisors. And change management really gets to that individual's role and responsibility in uh, engaging in that change and in implementing it, really. So let me ask this question because it's for, for someone who's listening who maybe has heard the terminology change management before but maybe doesn't, you know, still is trying to wrap their mind about what this is and, you know, what it has to do with regards to what they do on their day-to-day -day basis. Is change management really, does it cover the gamut from anything like maybe changes in, a change in the code, you know, let's say building code to changes in the environment to changes within the organizational hierarchy? Let's say there's a new partner that comes into the firm or changes in governmental regulations and guidance? I mean, is there, are we talking about all these different types of aspects, or is there something specific that change management relates to? Excellent question, Chris. It is actually all those things, but what, what I would do is segregate what change management is that we're speaking about more on the, it's on the softer side, the less tangible side, but there is change management more mechanical that's part of it as well. That's not the part we're talking about. So changing the code, the physical act of changing the code, identifying what are the changes, where the changes are happening, and who the change might affect from a perspective of building new buildings, whether it's the electricians, the plumbers, or what have you. That's not the change management. IT change management, a lot of folks might be familiar with what that means. That's uh, you know changing lines of code, or and when do we do it? What do we do to make that change? We're not dealing with that part. What we're talking about with all those things is so if we are changing, say, building codes, what does that mean in the larger environment? What does it mean for the government organization that's uh, administering compliance and checking compliance? Does it mean a, a change in skill set that there are new codes that require new skills for people to be familiar with uh, or to have in order to do do the work or to evaluate whether the work is being done appropriately. So if I'm making myself clear, those are the distinctions. It's what the impact is and how it affects the individual and the overall organization. A new code might require a whole new set of, uh, of folks and skills that didn't reside in that organization before. So what is the impact and how does change need to be managed to bring that new set of skills or that new, new organizational element uh, into the existing organization. So that's a distinction that that, uh, that we try to make uh, in describing what is change management that we're talking about versus kind of the mechanical part of we made this change on this date and this is the version. Great clarification. I appreciate that. And that's really maybe talking about like some terminology that I used to hear earlier in my career, which is really, really kind of trying to decipher what are the second and third order effects from changes in, in strategy and whatnot. So I think that's great. So there's an old adage, which 
I suspect that many of the listeners have heard before, and, and you certainly probably have in, in the context of your work, which is the more things change, the more they stay the same. So when you hear that phrase, what do you think about, or how do you think it applies in the context of projects? Well, if we're hearing that phrase in the context of a project, it usually means something bad is <laughs> happening <laughs> or something bad happened before. When I come across that, that sentiment, it's because an organization has gone through a change, a major project or implementation of some new processes, what have you, that didn't go well and that there was no follow through. So they went through all the effort to identify what the change was going to be. They trained folks. They made them sit through meetings to define what the requirements for the new process or the new systems or whatever it might be would be. And then at the end of the day, it just went right back to the way it was before. The reason why that happens is simply, you know, organizations, individuals are really kind of like rubber bands. When you pull them apart or you can reshape them how you want, but you're applying pressure and, and contorting them to some extent. The second you release, you know, that pressure or, or let go of that rubber band, it just goes back to the shape it was before or breaks if you pull too hard. But uh, we'll talk about that part. That's on the bad news side as a warning of what's happened before. In terms of when people are saying that, at the beginning of a change effort or a project that will yield some substance of change, it, it means there's just there's a lot of anxiety around it. People don't believe it'll actually happen. That might indicate a, a need for greater leadership engagement, making sure the executives in an organization are truly involved and clearly supporting the effort because it may not have been the case before or they're just new at their jobs and um, people just aren't familiar with how they might work. For anyone who's been in a, uh, let's say, a larger size organization that has a lot of, let's say, change and turnover and leadership, this is something that, it's something that I'm very familiar with, where, with uh, changes always occurring in the way that uh, not only the, the leadership style, but decisions in the way that they're, that they're handed down and that they're made. I've actually heard that phrase come up several times within my career. And, and as you pointed out, usually it has a negative connotation associated with it. So Right. So for the engineer leaders that are out there, that, that's, a, a, that's a really key takeaway. It's something that you need to be thinking about as you, as you look at making decisions that are going to change the work environment for your employees or the processes that you need to spend some time having really good communications with them. I think we're going to get a little bit into this and some questions that we've got coming up here, but definitely really pulling apart you know, what those second and third order effects are going to be before you really press on and begin to implement that. So what are three things that, that you think a civil engineer might need to know about change management that's going to really benefit their clients, project team, and then ultimately their career? There's a, a fair number of things. I'm going to start the answer with a, a story, a little bit of a story. And that is, uh, I was writing one of the books. We did some case studies and talk with uh, different types of project managers, different project types. And one organization, General Services Administration in the U.S. government, U.S. federal government, uh, they have a construction arm, as you would imagine, and uh, they either build buildings or, or retrofit uh, buildings for different purposes. This one group was building courthouses. And so from one project to the next, I mean, the, the biggest change that they were dealing with was increases in security that had to be implemented. So that was some of the impetus behind uh, a wave of courthouse uh, retrofitting or, or new courthouse construction, how to take that into account. Traditionally, they would go in, they're, they're the experts, right? They're the engineers, they're the architects, and uh, they're going to manage a construction project. And they've got the playbook and they go in there and they do their thing. 
But they found recently, this is within the last few years, that uh, judges in these courthouses wanted a greater role in design. So, you know, where previously architects and engineers were working kind of together in, in a room somewhere doing these designs, they found that they'd bring them to the judges and they wanted significantly more input than they previously had. The driver behind that, honestly, is, is greater access to information, popping on the internet and becoming a self-proclaimed architect or engineer. Uh, if one reads the right articles or enough of them, they could proclaim that, that, that expertise. And it was having an impact. So I bring that up because from the, the perspective of the question of three things that, that a civil engineer might need to know about change management at these different levels, from a client perspective, you really need to understand what it is that how they will perceive the impact of the, the project from their perspective. Not so much as you know you're building something or you know you're designing something and you've got a certain number of people, you have a certain amount of space, you have specific functions that need to be performed there. But then you need to take yourself out of that design mode and really sit in the chair of the folks who are going to occupy, in this case, occupy the courthouse. And so from a client perspective, you need to have their perspective in mind, but also you need to explain to them you know, if you're going to be implementing some change management practices, they, they need to be aware of uh, that this is a real discipline and you're going to need resources and, and time and effort to put behind preparing the organization and its individuals for the changes. So it's both sides of the coin, engaging the, the client in the process of change management and also being aware of the impact of the change on them. From the team perspective, they need to know that they're the ones leading, they're the pointy end of the spear, if you will, and they'll be leading the change either within their organization or for the client, right? So they need to have the basic skills and understanding, be able to listen for, you know, questions and listen for concerns and understand where those might be coming and how they might be addressed. And then, then lastly, from a career perspective, having an understanding of change management, a greater understanding of the discipline will have wide application for the things that they do. Greater appreciation for the people who are greatest or impacted the greatest from a change effort. It will enable folks who are meeting or coming into the management levels that uh, they have a greater appreciation for the people they'll be managing and how they might react to and work within a changing environment. So it's at those different levels. I think there's a little bit of a different element to, uh, to each of them, but uh, knowing something about each is, is important for uh, somebody engaged in this discipline. All right. And, and, you know, one of the things that I was thinking about as I was listening uh, to this was, uh, you know, really the reliance on empathy and, you know, what we've also you know, probably have heard a lot about, the, you know, the, the concept of emotional intelligence. So really being able to put yourself in the, you know, in the shoes of the client or your team members or the uh, individuals that you're going to be leading or managing and being able to look at, you know, look at the ideas and the concepts through their eyes which you know, which is a can be a challenge sometimes, and definitely is is something that we uh, that we have to learn as we go through our through our careers. So we all work within organizations, and this is you know public or private sector. It's really the same, and we're all within organizations, and we're going to be working with organizations. In each of these organizations, you have a project management or a project manager level employee versus a let's say a partner or a senior leader. Let's say I'm in a PM role, or even maybe just a team member on a project or I'm a partner or a senior leader, what are some of the basics that I need to know about organizational change management? And then what might be some of the differences depending on where you, where you sit within that organization? From the project manager or team level, 
I think the, the thing that's important to know or the fundamental thing to know is is that it's, it's going to require effort, that this isn't something that just occurs you know, when you, when you execute a project. There are a separate set of activities, distinct activities that need to be performed, you know, evaluating uh, an organization capacity for and readiness for change. When we're getting ready to start a project, rarely do we say, okay, uh, you know, let's take a step back before we do this. Make sure everybody's ready for this, that they have the skills, they have the capacity, because part of it is going to be an extra duty for them to participate in this project. A lot of the times we initiate a project, we plan it, and then we execute and forgetting that there are people involved in it along the way. So from the PM and team levels, really making sure that you understand that it takes effort and what are the specific activities to facilitate the changes that are going to occur. They'll change slightly based on the environment that's working in an organization that's gone through a, a series of changes. And this is just yet another in a series uh, requires a different set of activities and, and skills than one that changes not very frequent and people are fairly ready for it and, and have the capacity to absorb the kinds of change that you're, you're working through. As you move up, though, uh, it becomes a little bit more important to not only have the appreciation of what's going on at the activity level, but really what the responsibility is from a senior or executive level. Uh, And some fundamentals that really come into play for that group is really creating a sense of urgency. Uh, It's a book I recommend from John Cotter. It's called A Sense of Urgency, and it's about one of the key elements of making change happen that people have to feel compelled. It's like the gangplank, if you will. You're walking, your option is to jump in the ocean filled with sharks or to walk back to fight a whole bunch of guys with swords. You know, So making that leap, if you will, really has to be made like it's, uh, it's an urgent matter. So one being a sense of urgency, two uh, from an executive level, and this is really the case as well with some project team members and project managers modeling the behavior. I mean, the organization is going through a change. The project is delivering a set of changes. If it's about process, if it's about attitude, if it's about using new tools, those in positions of influence, whether it's positional leadership influence or it's just pure credibility sort of influence, they need a model of behavior that they're trying to achieve through this change effort. And then the last thing I'll say is, is executive senior level folks need to make space for change. And what I mean there is in recognizing it takes effort, they need to make sure there are, there's time, there's resources, and there's a recognition that this is a discipline distinct from but related to executing projects to achieve results. Last thing I would say on this is for all levels, really, people just need to be aware of their roles relative to change management in executing projects. And there are, as we have discussed so far, there are some specific roles depending on where you sit in the organization and what your ultimate responsibility to that organization is. So we've had a chance to uh, interview Mark Kuritz, who is the uh, author of a book called uh, Leadership is Half the Story, where he, in that book, he and his co-author really go into the, into the details of the importance of the follower and how followership is a, a very important component that, that everyone, all the way up the chain, if you will, from the low-level employees all the way through senior management, need to have that followership mentality and the benefits that can come from that. And as you're listening to this, you can go check that out at uh, episode 78 of the Engineering Career Coach podcast. But one of the things that makes me think is, you know, as we're talking about this, really when we're talking this manage, you know, change management of just having this understanding of what the second, third order effects are going to be, you know, when you're at the employee level, 
it's really about embracing the change that that's come to you. I mean, a decision's been made, and you really have to accept the fact that it's been made, and then do your part to to try to carry it through and to and to make it a success, even when the general beliefs, unfortunately, maybe might think the other direction. So I think it's an important uh, important thing to kind of touch on there. So again, at the senior leader level, let's say I own a firm and I see business challenges that are coming ahead. You know, we went through a recession back in the late, uh, you know, like 2008, nine that time frame. So business challenges are always there. And especially it depends on which market you're in and, you know, what market segment in the U.S. you might be operating from. So let's say you've got business challenges that are coming ahead. What are some of the change management actions that I as a firm uh, owner or senior partner need to implement to ride out that storm? you know, what level or how much information should I be sharing with my employees about the changes that are going to be coming up? Is there a a point where you just don't share information or is it not smart to do that? Great question. As somebody who owns a firm, you know, I've had those conversations with uh, my partner as well as with uh, advisors, particularly in the what to share, what not to share. I would say that relative to challenges, and and you bring up a good point about uh, the recent downturn, and, you know, so my firm weathered that. Uh, Obviously, we're still in business, be celebrating 10 years next month. And I think what has helped us through both challenging times as well as as times where things are kind of booming is really uh, open and honest communication. Your question about uh, how much do you tell or not tell, I err on the side of telling as much as possible. Obviously, I don't share personnel-related items. You know, I do. we do share, and I've been told by some of my employees, uh, based on their experience with other firms, that we share a lot more financial stuff for a privately held company than most. But I think it's information that's helpful not only for us to make decisions, but for our staff, our team members to be aware of the decisions we're making and why. That gets to change. So I think Jim Collins, well, I know Jim Collins in his book, Good to Great, talks about the brutal facts. So those brutal facts are irrelevant to challenging times. So here's what's going to happen. You know, we, we're not going to see a lot of new business. We're going to try and hold tightly on to the existing business we have. If we don't hit certain levels or we start losing business up you know, to a certain level, this is what might happen. We might have to let people go. We might have to ask people to cut salaries and literally go through the options to the extent that you're interested in getting people's thoughts on where that is, or you just open the door to say, if you have a feeling one way or another, which change you could live with, then talk to us. Similarly, on the growth side, hey, we're about ready to go through a huge growth spurt. We anticipate some of it, but it's bigger than we anticipated or it's happening faster than we thought. And so everybody's going to be real busy for the next three, six, nine months until we can level out the staff, bring in some more people. Here's what we expect. Here's what we're going to need. What can we do to make sure that you're taken care of and that your needs are addressed you know, that uh, that you're going to be working 50, 60 hour weeks, what have you. So all of that comes back to one simple thing is sharing the brutal facts, positive or negative, being open and honest, engaging folks and asking them to participate in the conversations and letting them know whether they have an influence on the decision or that we're letting them make a decision and that they're that might be majority rule on certain things. So all that is what uh, what I think has helped make us the company we are now helped us through troubling and positive times. And uh, it's been good for us in terms of practicing that philosophy. And that's good. And I appreciate you sharing that because I think, you know, there's a lot of a lot of firm owners that are out there. And I know just even from my own experiences, even though I was on the, in the public sector, there were certain, you know, some senior leaders felt very uncomfortable with sharing, you know, sharing too much 
information, you know, letting people have a peek under the kimono, mm-hmm. if you will, while others were just as you said, you know, it's here's the facts. They may some might be ugly, but here's what we got. And I think that uh, you know, there's obviously personalities play into that, the personalities of the leadership. But my experience, I think there's also some personalities of the team, if you will, or the followers. And so it's really, again, back into that emotional intelligence aspect of making sure that you've got people prepared to accept the information. And especially if you're in an organization where you know, the information hasn't been shared previously, and let's say you're, you're stepping into that role or you're deciding that you're going to make this change, that you're going to begin sharing more information, you need to be obviously make sure that the people are ready to, to accept it because that's part, it's part of change. Right. So it's kind of changing, you know, managing the, uh, the change in the communications level. Well, it goes back to what we were saying before about when I was saying before about modeling behavior. I mean, if you're going through a major project that's going to have an impact all throughout the organization down to the individual and you're not sharing information, then you need to expect that that same thing's going to happen coming back, right? And, and change efforts, knowing what's happening at that lower level, how people are feeling about it, knowing that as quickly as possible is the thing that will help the change succeed. So that's sort of the other part of it is, you know, kind of you get what you give. And in this case, being honest and sharing as much of the facts as you can should, well, you have a better chance, let me say, a better chance that that'll be reciprocated. So that's kind of my, again, my philosophy, and, and I've seen it bear out uh, a number of times. Thanks on that point. So we've already uh, already covered a couple really good books, and I've certainly had a, had a chance to, I've looked at both of those, and uh, we talked, or you shared some of that information before the uh, interview today, so I had a chance to kind of check those out, and I've now put them into my uh, extensive list of books that I need to, uh, I need to uh, read. But I'm going to ask for even more because I think one of the things that's uh, that's beneficial from the from the shows that Anthony and I do on a routine basis, we share books with the listeners and with everyone who goes to our website and reads the posts that we have there. So, John, I'm going to ask you what what's one book that you recommend regularly to others, or one book that you found to be extremely helpful in your own professional and or personal development, and why? Well, it's uh, I'm going to invoke uh, good to great again, and uh, and there have been companions written to that book since uh, the the first book came out. But uh, that's Jim Collins, and part of it, the reason why is because I find myself quoting it a, a lot uh, when I'm working with clients or with my team, and we've integrated some of that into some of his mantra into our culture here. The Telling the brutal facts is a key thing we talked about already. The hedgehog concept is finding that thing. And when you're going through change efforts, it's, this is important. Find that thing that differentiates you from the competition or from others. And when you're doing a project or particularly if there's a major change element and you're man- doing a change management effort, showing people why it's different this time and why it'll be better at the end. And as a, an organization or as a group of individuals trying to define why it's different and why, you know, what will be the new thing that will emerge as a result of the hard effort that's going to take place going through a change effort, that hedgehog, that's a, another element we build into our deliveries with, with clients and, again, internally. And the last thing uh, that I find myself quoting quite a bit from Collins is getting the right people on the bus. From a company perspective, especially a small firm, you know, like ours, it's essential. You know, the smaller the bus, the more important it is to have the right people on the bus. And what Collins was saying is more important to have the right people based on their temperament, their, you know, their mindset than it is their specific skill set. 
because people who have the right attitude and mindset they will adapt. They'll be better for the organization than just trying to find a specific square peg to fit in a specific square hole. The other side of that, that getting the right people on the bus, is we look at that from the perspective of building teams, change management teams, change action teams, uh, the people who will designate as the, either the change champions or change agents, all terms we kind of throw around uh, on projects. But those folks, when we're talking with clients and saying, we're going to put together this team and they have to be the right people. We're going we're gonna to get a bus of change agents together and we want to get the right people on that bus. We don't want them. They don't all have to be at a certain level in the organization. We're looking for people with certain characteristics. And that's more important than really the worst characteristic of a person you want on a change team is the person who's available. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're lucky. And that person just happens to be coming off a project or, or coming back from vacation and cleared their plate before they left and is ready for more work. You want the people who are thoroughly engaged, maybe, maybe even over-engaged within the organization. So it's that, that criteria of getting the right people on the bus. So those three things, you know, the brutal honesty, the hedgehog concept, the getting the right people on the bus that is embedded in good to great that I'm constantly referring to and, and recommending that book to folks. That's great, John. I really appreciate how you've taken that book. And it's more than just I, we read the book or I read the book, but you've actually broken it apart and you're taking action with the content out of it. So that's awesome. I really love seeing that. So, well, John, I got one last question for you, and it's one that I ask all the guests that come on the show. And that question is, what's one thing you would have done differently in your career if you could go back? Or what's one of the best decisions you made in your career and why? Well, I'll give one answer to both those questions. That is uh, starting starting my own business. So I wish I had done it a little earlier, but uh, at the end of the day, it was certainly the best decision I made. And a lot of it really comes down to, and I suppose it was the biggest change management effort of my life, short of getting married and having kids. And that is really kind of putting my, my money where my mouth was and in different organizations that I was in and seeing how Oh, I would have done things differently. I would have done things better. At the end of the day, you have to look at yourself and say, well, why don't I? <laughs> so I had that conversation with myself uh, one day coming back from a rather a frustrating day at the company I was working with at the time and just said, you know, if I don't do it now, when am I going to do it? Why wait any longer? There are a lot of good reasons to wait, but I put those off to the side and, and decided to make the, the leap anyway. And um, despite some people who I truly uh, trusted and, and had great respect for from a, an advisory perspective who suggested wasn't the right time, you know, I put that all into the decision makeup there and still came out on the other side and it was the best decision I made in my career. And that's just still appreciating that effort. And now that I'm there, I'm thrilled uh, that I did. That's outstanding. That's uh, inspirational as well. I know we've got a lot of listeners that are frequenters to uh, to this show that uh, have either stepped out and have started their own firms or likely considering doing that. So I think John's uh, answer to that question is uh, inspirational. And again, it's just another confirmation message that uh, the best time to do it is is now mm -hmm. and it might as well be you. So that's uh, that's awesome. Well, John, thanks so much again for joining me today on on the show. I want everyone that's listening to just remember you can find the show notes for this episode by going to civilengineeringpodcast.com, and that's where you're going to find the links to the books that John mentioned today. Uh, you're going to also have some websites that are on there and many of the other references that uh, both Jim and I touched on in this interview. So go check those out. And until next week, I wish you the best in all of your civil engineering endeavors. Thank you for listening to the Civil Engineering Podcast. 
Be sure to visit civilengineeringpodcast.com, where you can listen to past episodes and also submit your project to be featured on the show. We also invite you to visit our main website at engineeringcareercoach.com and download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also help to develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success.